In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. All suffering is God's punishment for sin. Suffering is God's payback. This is what people believed in Jesus' day, and he confronts it. When he encounters a blind man, blind from birth, Jesus is asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answers, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So why is there such suffering? Some suffering we clearly do bring onto ourselves because of, of too much of this, or too little of that, uh, poor practices or bad decisions, sometimes which turn into a kind of tsunami of suffering. Yet Jesus clearly says that suffering is neither a sign of God's judgment nor a sign of God's rejection. Jesus said that God sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. Jesus says that all of us are children of one Father in heaven. God's love is indiscriminate. So uh, what about all of the suffering in life? We clearly cannot avoid it. Study history follow the news, recall your own life. Clearly, there is no escape from suffering until life is ended. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, suffering has both a prominent and paradoxical place in our lives. Our, our theology hangs on the cross. Jesus tells us if we want to be his followers, we must take up our cross and follow him. Uh, such suffering. In a few moments, we will join together in professing our faith following the words of the Nicene Creed. In the Nicene Creed and in the Apostles' Creed, there is one word, one word that is used to describe Jesus' life from his moment of birth until his crucifixion, until his resurrection, until his ascension. One word is used to describe Jesus' lifetime. What is the word? Suffered. Jesus suffered. For God to fully identify with our humanity, 
for God to meet us and save us, suffering as we are, it was necessary for Jesus to suffer as we do. St. Catherine of Siena from the 14th century endured a terrible time of suffering, made all the worse by her sense that Jesus had abandoned her. And then she had this miraculous recovery of health, but she was left with this agonizing question for Jesus. Where were you when my heart was so tormented? And she heard Jesus say, I was in your heart. I was in your heart. Suffering is so paradoxical. Suffering can bring such diminishment and distortion to people. Suffering can extinguish their joy, exhume their hope, destroy their spontaneity, imprison their movement, stoke their fear. If you have suffered, and we all have, you will know how compromising suffering can be. Suffering hijacks. We want out of suffering. Jesus said that he has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus will know how to find us when we are lost in pain and suffering because he's been there. Jesus has come to save us in our suffering. The biblical Greek verb to save also means to salve as if to anoint a wound. To save, to salve, that same verb also means to salvage to save, to salve, to salvage. When we are lost in our suffering, Jesus comes to save us and salve us and salvage our lives. The alchemy of suffering can be so amazing. Jesus tells us he's come to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. And life for Jesus includes the cross and all the suffering that led up to it. Suffering in life is terrible, and, and it is unavoidable. However, an amazing good can come out of the appalling bad. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the Swiss-American psychiatrist who wrote with such insight about dying and death, said, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known suffering, known defeat, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. Beautiful people do not just happen. Haven't we all seen how someone's suffering can engender in a person such beauty, such compassion, such gentleness, such freedom, such humility, such clarity, such gratitude to be able to be fully alive in the present moment. You may know about this personally. 
So many people just now are suffering in our world. So we know tens of hundreds of thousands of people have lost their home and lost their hope as they search desperately for a place on earth where they can be sheltered, can be safe, be fed, can thrive. So many people fleeing from war in the Ukraine, in Myanmar, Syria, Sudan, Haiti. So many people in our world who have been imprisoned even unjustly and they suffer often forgotten with no one to whom to tell their stories. So many people, especially women and children, suffer from violating degradation through others' exploitation. So many people with physical and mental illness, only a small portion of whom having access to the health care they need, the very young, the very old, with so much suffering because of disease, abuse, neglect, poverty, racism. So many people around the world and nearby, and perhaps some of you among them, suffering. There is an old-fashioned word in the English vocabulary, pity. Pity is compassion aroused by the sorrow or the suffering of another person. Pity is kindness, tenderness, generosity of spirit. The English word pity comes from the Latin word for piety. We have so many opportunities just now, this Lent, to practice our piety with pity. The only way that something good can come out of suffering, which is bad, is with help. And we are God's help. We are the best God has to give witness to God's real presence, God's countenance, God's tender loving mercy, God's provision. Through the piety of our hands, our hearts, our voices, our prayers, we are the mediators of the real presence of God's pity to so many people, many people who suffer so greatly, who otherwise feel lost and who are dying to find healing and help and hope. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.